Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I am Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. Sometimes I wish I wasn't on Twitter. We all feel that way at some time. This times. weekend is one of those times. <laughs> I well, am. I kind of wasn't on Twitter. The, you took I, a break. I, I signed off before the Illini game. I think it's a sign of intelligence is what that is. It, it took incredible restraint, but I did not tweet the entire game. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Okay, so, well, do you want to get into your... Well, yeah, I've got a little rant okay, that go I want to go yeah. on right I, now. Usually I'm the ranter, so go ahead. It's, uh, nice. it's, it's my turn to rant today. So, you know, watch the, the Illini game at home. But then Saturday, a buddy of mine who's not really that big of a football fan, he's a, a quasi-Ohio State fan because he's from Ohio. Okay. He just wanted to get together and watch games at a bar. And so there's a bar right by my house. I said, okay, let's meet up there. We go there. You know, I get there at like 11.15, 11.30. So the games have started. Not a game to be found anywhere on any of the TVs. Well, I'm sorry. No, the Howard Howard versus Morgan State or something like that was on one of the game well, the TVs. And so I'm like, yeah, can we get some of the Big Ten games on here? Gophers weren't on yet. That game hadn't started. But there was four Big Ten games going at that moment and four TVs in this enormous room of the bar. And it took us 45 minutes probably to get all four TVs turned to football games. So I've got two things to add to your rant because I'm like literally my blood is boiling just listen to you. Number, number one, why is it so hard? for any bar staff to change the channel on a television. I mean, all you just it always is the you case. just ask the question and you can see the fear in their eyes once what you say it. What's going on? It, it's unbelievable and I can tell you part of it's not their fault because I was helping this poor gal try to change the channels and that system was so freaking complicated. It's like this pad, right, that they have. You would think it'd just be like TV5, turn to this channel. TV6. No, 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 no. But I mean, but, you had to like do some advanced trigonometry to even get so one of these okay. So changed. fair enough. Most of the time, though, it's point and shoot the remote. So yeah, so this was it, not point and shoot. Now I understand when that happens. With that being said, you still should know how to use it. Thank you, because sporting events draw people into bars. Oh, and guess what? There was not a soul in this joint, and now I know why. We were the only two people, literally. I mean, enormous bar, enormous. Two of us. And then eventually some Iowa fans actually sat down by us eventually. Okay. Um, and there was a, a – but, but I mean, there's – it's not a surprise nobody was there because it was so – If the word has gotten out yeah. that it's an awful place to go watch sporting events, especially college football, you well, don't go. And sadly, they have these big, beautiful TVs. It's a nice bar. It's a clean bar. I, I, I don't know why they, they just wantonly drive potential business away. Insane. And then And then – the other thing, the second thing I was going to rant about is Minnesota and the fact that they just like you could have gone in at 1150 and asked for the gopher game and then been like, wait, what? Oh. They don't. I remember when I first moved up here, I can tell you it was uh, the old Chicago in Uptown. I remember. Yeah. Sure. And uh was so excited, went there uh, to meet a buddy watch a game, I walk in, and I remember I walked in, it was it was almost the same thing. I think the games had just started, you know, because getting to a bar by 11 o'clock when you were 23 was hard yeah. to do back then. And uh, and I'm like, yeah, put the this this game on. And they're like, what? And I'm like, and I remember it wasn't even Iowa. It was like 
Wisconsin, Penn State, you know, something like that. I can't remember what it was. And the guy just blank stare like, but it's it's not Sunday. I know. Why would there be football on? And that's when I realized Toto was not in Kansas, yeah. a.k.a. Iowa anymore, where everybody watches football, you know, on Saturday. It is the craziest thing. Dude. And then some poor Gopher fans did come in looking for the pack. They had been going all over looking for anybody who had the Pac-12 network. And they, yeah. it was, they had basically, you could tell they had given up. This was their last attempt. Now that I will give bars and places a pass because yes. the Pac-12 network is not easy to find. No, it's not. So. And, and they had clearly been to a couple other establishments and they had been calling around asking for anyone that has it. And I guess this bar had said, yeah, I think yeah. we have it. So they came in and. They did not have the Pac-12 um, network. Somebody tweeted out, do they broadcast the Pac-12 network from Mars? Because that's, that's pretty much what it looks like. My, I, I have the Pac-12 network, do not have the ACC network, but it was in standard def. It's almost unwatchable. I didn't, I didn't know that existed anymore. Standard For real. Def. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. It's like, like I had joked, I might go listen to some music on CD after watching this game. I don't know. I'm with you there. Uh Speaking of, of other things, big related or whatever, I mean, how deep is this conference? This conference is exceedingly deep. Yeah, I mean, there's really only a couple bad teams. And even those, you can kind of see, like, you know, Illinois, for instance. You look at them, they're not atrocious. They're no. just bad. There's a difference. There is a difference. Rutgers was atrocious for years. Yeah. Illinois is at least a step up, if not two, from atrocious yep. teams like this. Kansas, uh, I think I'd throw Vanderbilt in there. Like, those are really, really bad teams. Purdue's not good, but they're not atrocious. Well, I, I think they're definitely a step up from there. But the bottom is no doubt raised. And then from teams two, definitely three, all the way down to 12, good luck finding an easy win in there. Right, it, it does not exist. No, um, I mean I, right now. I mean, I tweeted out that I think there are seven teams. Like we 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 have yearned and asked for parity across the Big Ten, yeah. across college football. Everybody, wake up, enjoy 2021 to the best of your abilities. Yeah. Fans are back in the stands. Parity is here right now. You you tell me if I'm crazy. I'm I'm listing this off in the order that that they're ranked. Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota. Any one of those seven teams could win the Big Ten championship this year. I think so. I don't think that's literally half the conference. And I'm probably shorting out a couple teams that that could be in on the conversation. I think we need a little bit more time. Um, Yesterday, the Big Ten went, so take out Maryland and and Illinois. But yesterday, the Big Ten went eight and three with wins over Miami. Uh, and Auburn, big wins, yep. losses to Notre Dame and Oklahoma. Yeah, but in games where the team, you know, there's going to be underdogs. Like you can't have match, you know, throughout. So that is middle to lower end Big Ten teams playing those teams. They were in those games yeah. right to the very end. So there's nothing to sneeze about and there. Indiana, and then Indiana, I mean, Cincinnati. I'll get to that because I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on that game, but. Okay. All good showings, and then eight wins. You know, I mean, eight wins. on. T- I mean, it's – and then, I mean, right now, it is not crazy for me to make the statement as an Iowa fan that if Iowa played Oklahoma and Clemson on a neutral field, I expect a good game. Absolutely. And, th- and I don't mean 
I'm not trying to disparage Iowa there, and I'm not trying to make this about Iowa. The point I'm trying to make is I think a good litmus test on if there is parity is if Iowa is realistically has a chance to beat Oklahoma and Clemson, and they do. Those teams are down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even Alabama was sure. mortal yesterday. Oh, yeah. They, they cannot run the ball. Yeah. They have a weakness. Every team has a weakness right now. I mean, it is a good thing. This is what, we, what we've what we wanted, right? This, yes, it so is. I've and got... if I hear people bitch that the oh, top four teams aren't, I am, oh, my God. Quit. I, you know, Texas being good is good for college football. Craps like I, that. I Crap like that. I that. hate that statement. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. There are times where blue bloods growing that that were blue bloods when i grew up when i fell in love with college football they're kind of fun to see up and you know to to make a comeback i'm not but but that statement alone drives me nuts i'd also like to throw a shout out to brayden gall who during the clemson georgia game week one okay. you know i mean and then so the clemson georgia week one was all all about those just oh my god amazing defenses just great defenses yep. whereas Ohio or uh, Penn State, Wisconsin, Wisconsin yeah. horrible offenses. Yeah, Clemson's offense is butt cheeks right now. It is, and it has been all year, yes, which was a played into that week one. Penn State, little bit of a little kind of kind of a decent looking offense. Yeah, it's almost as if when I was fighting with him, I was correct the whole time, as was <laughs> Perk and other people. What has 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 this been pointed out? To no, our friend. I, th- I thought about it. I I did. Yeah. I just I decided to just not wake up and choose murder today. But it could happen. It's didn't a long we, week. Didn't we establish he's going to guest on the show at some yeah, point? Yeah. yeah. Cool. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna hide. I'm, I'm gonna be the same person in real life on Twitter and on this podcast. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change my personality. So, anyways, that was a couple things I want to point out. And then there. There isn't much more to say on this, but it's just worth mentioning. The officiating, also booty right now. It's it's We are more accustomed to it in the Big Ten, so we focus on Big Ten officials. SEC officials, booty. Pac-12 officials have been booty for years. It just don't look good out there. Well, but we did talk this. It's early in the season. First of all, they do get better as the season goes on, I think, for the most part. But second of all, there's just so many games going on that you're getting deep crews right now. That's correct. Yeah, so it'll get better. Give it a couple I hope weeks. so. I hope so. I also think we are making it way too complicated. Oh, it's way if too If it looks like a catch, it's I, a catch. I know it. I am so sick Unless of it's egregious, it's not launching or targeting. No. Move on. Correct. Like we, And also on top of that, who wants to be a ref right now? You know, you got... You got Thursday, Friday, Saturday heroes, you know, like meaning people screaming at officials at the high school level. It's not like it's an an appealing job to get into. And my guess is because of that, it, it has watered down the amount of people that are actually officiating. Probably. I don't know. I think that's something we're seeing. All right. Should we move on? Yes, sir. On to the games. First one up Friday, September 17th, Maryland 20. Illinois 17, Maryland with 481 yards of total offense to the Illini's 335. Very quickly, I want to give a shout-out to all the people on Twitter that joined in for me to live-tweet this game. Um, I've got a wife. I've got kids. We don't get out much. That's just how it goes. Every time you leave the house, if you want to actually have fun, you got to get a babysitter, and that's expensive. So on Friday night, I, I said to Mrs. Greg. Okay, this game starts at 8, which is right around the kids' 
uh, sure. uh, when they go to bed. So I was able to get my parental duties taken care of. She took over. The festivities started at 8 o'clock, and it was a blast. I mean, people were tweeting back. People were DMing. It made the otherwise unesthetically pleasing football contest that we watched a yeah. lot more enjoyable. Well, and it was more enjoyable for me not just logging off of Twitter. Just, you know, just allowing myself to sit there and stew in my own misery. Um, I guess, I don't know, was it better? Because you kind of... You vent a little bit during the game. I don't know, but I think I enjoyed it. It was a good experiment, I'll at least say. Uh, Like I said, it's a sign of intelligence. Um, When the Giants were up 20 to 17 on Thursday night, I was exhausted. I went to sleep. Best decision I made that Thursday. I did not have to watch the end of that game. So this was definitely not aesthetically pleasing, but I don't think it was as ugly as people were making it out to be. I tell you what, it, it, it... it's not like you were watching two 10-win teams go at it. I think that's fair. But what happens with those Friday night games is when it's the only show yes. in town, all eyeballs are on it. And if it's not it, a great entertaining game, people, people just, overreact. Yeah. That, that is part of the deal. I there. mean, to me, I was really just watching an Illinois football game. That's what I watch every <laughs> Saturday. Well, but, So I want to start with Maryland. Yeah. Because i got to give Maryland credit. And i got to give Locks credit for this team. They're better than I would expect me too. them to be. Yep. It looks like a pretty good team. If, if there's a complaint... It's that they moved the ball well, but they weren't scoring well. That, yeah. That's really the only thing you can say bad about. Like, at towards the end of the game, you're like, how is Maryland not easily winning this game? And it looked like they were going to lose the game, but you got to give them credit because when they got their chances at the end, they got it done. Yes. Um, Tuia Tungaviola, 32 of 43, 350 yards. We expected that, yeah. right? One touchdown. That's that's the crazy thing. The other side of it is, d- does Maryland have a pretty good defense? I, that's, I am yes. I am beginning to I'm, think Maryland has a pretty good defense. I'm ready to say that they have a solid defense, which I did not expect at all. That is probably what I expected the least out of, out of this team this year. But they do. They've got a it's, – it's at least serviceable, and they've got a couple chances here. I, I think they got one coming up this weekend to prove that they're a darn good defense – this is starting to be a very intriguing team. They got votes this week in the top 25. Locks has won three games in a row for the first time in his head coaching tenure. This is a pretty good-looking football team right now. And, you know, give him credit for coming out on a Friday night, too. From the East Coast, that's not an easy thing to do. You know, I, I, I'm impressed. Very much. I, you know what else I'm impressed with? How much weight Locks has gained. Did you see the old pictures of him? Like, he was a svelte dude when he was at Illinois. He was. I don't remember him being that thin at Illinois, but they showed the before and after. Yeah. Mercy. So you logged off, so you didn't see it. But um, So I thought the joke that I, I had already joked, uh, uh, written in my head, Locks, Beetle, welcome to the, the Belly Bowl, brought to you by OCB. People, but then I they there was a, a video of Locks and Beetle hugging before the game, and I caught it perfectly, like oh their, their bellies touched before their hands did, and I just tweeted out tummy sticks, and I tell you what, like <laughs> that took like dude, it's funny. I don't, I, I'm not I'm not saying the tweet. I'm saying watching Locks and Beetle jiggle around, it's hilarious. I had Love more them. than a couple people text me mid game because they. Didn't realize that Zook was on the Maryland staff. We completely spaced to point that out. Zook (laughs) came back home. So, yeah, it was his homecoming for the Zookers, a homecoming for Locks, too. Uh, But it's a bigger deal when a head coach comes back. Yeah, it is. But but I know there was some Illini, some former Illini 
that had played for him that came back for that game too because he was there and they wanted to see him. So yeah, when, one positive for uh, for Beat and for Illinois is that he's really reaching out to former players. Um, and when you talk to these former players, when you hear interviews from them, they say this did not happen with the previous two coaches. How can you be a head coach and just and not welcome players back? That they're literally the lifeblood, and if they're players that are in the NFL, they they help you recruit. Yeah. I mean, it's the weirdest thing in the world. And it, it and it wasn't just Lovey. No, it was the guy before Lovey. Yeah. Too. Um, as far as Illinois, Brandon Peters was back, but ten of twenty six, one hundred eighty five yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. Illini with only three point three yard rushing average. It just was a. Yeah, well, it just it just was a disjointed effort by the offense. And and again, I think part of it's credit to Maryland's defense, sure. but the Illini offensive line is just they're not getting it done. They I thought they'd be a little bit better than they are. Peters looked rusty. They don't have a they from a running back perspective, they can't seem this entire year to establish a rhythm. You know, Chase Brown was kind of dinged at the beginning of the year so that it was Mike Epstein and he was doing okay. Then he gets dinged. Chase Brown comes back, gets dinged up again in this game. You know, he's out. Then they have this revelation. The freshman Josh McCray was playing great, and then he gets dinged up. They just can't seem to get someone back there and have them play healthy for a full game. It's killing them. I agree, and I think their issues on defense, you could have a couple different things to point at, but on offense and a little bit with defense, you're pointing at along the lines. I think I think Beatle is was probably sort of amazed how much – along the lines they're behind when he took this job would be my guess. Yeah. I would really like to know, you know, closed door, his thoughts of the that roster. Would be, I that would, would be incredible. So they did shake it up a little bit defensively. They, they benched a couple guys, put another, a couple other guys out there. One of which I've been begging for Seth Coleman. I've been wanting to see him. He had a great game. I, I just don't understand why he wasn't getting more playing time before Tony Adams got benched. And, and you had been po- specifically pointing him out that he hasn't been looking good. And, it's and, crazy. and his backup looked pretty good. Now, now, not to say Maryland didn't get it done. I would I did expect bigger days, I suppose, from their receiving core. But Dante Demas, Kim Jarrett, Jayshon Jones, they all had good games, but not great games. Right. So I give a little bit of credit. Whatever they did defensively from a coaching perspective, I think worked against it was Maryland just to a, some degree. Like we had talked... So first of all, this was the double barrel lock of the week for both of yes, us. Yes, it was. So so buyer beware if, if Kurt yeah. and I ever agree on something that much. We're now right. 0 and 1. Um the one thing I had pointed out was could this be a game where Illinois just plays a little bit of big boy football on defense and it disrupts the timing of the offense? I do think we saw that to a certain degree, a but again, bit. pretty good stats just couldn't put it in the barn. With the win, Maryland moves to a very impressive 3 and 0 and Illinois falls to 1 and 3 after that week zero win. All right, moving on to the rest of the games on Saturday, September 18th. First up, Oklahoma 23, Nebraska 16. The Sooners with 408 yards of total offense to the Huskers 384. As we all expected, a defensive slugfest broke out in Norman. Yeah, you know, the the prevailing sentiment I see on Twitter right now from Nebraska fans is they're kind of happy about this game. Yeah. I, that's that's not my perspective of this at all. Okay, okay. so 23 to 16, right? Let's do some quick math there. Square root, carry the two. It's seven-point difference, right? Yeah. Did I do that right? I think so. Okay, so then you go to the field goal kicking. We had one of three. That's two missed field goals. I think those are still worth three points, so that's six points right there. 
Then we had a missed extra point, a blocked extra point that was not only blocked, it was returned for a two point. That's that's the difference in the game right there. If I'm Nebraska, I am incredibly disappointed I lost this game. So I sent out a tweet after the game that says, you know, Nebraska lost this game largely based on uh, miscues and special teams. And then basically said, you know, insert the team. But but the reason they lost the game does not change. We saw it again. I mean, Scott Frost himself spoke about watching the same movie. Yeah. W- was this not same a similar movie? And there I was penalties, too. Think of, oh, yeah, the, let's see. They had eight penalties for 70 yards. They had the only turnover of the game. So, I mean, you add all those things up. That's really. And ironically, the turnover, it did hurt. Don't get me wrong. But, like. Well, yeah, kind it, of wasn't it, real, wasn't a real turnover. Correct. So I mean, to speak, it, he had to force it on a fourth down. Right. By the way, that turnover, even though the DB should have batted it down. Yep. I get it. That one-handed catch by that DB, not only is it was it was Odell Beckham ish. It oh, was yeah. incredible. It was incredible. <laughs> I mean, just like stuck to his hand like yeah. it was a magnet. I've never seen anything like that. Anyways, but do you see what I'm getting at? Like yeah. this this is an opportunity for an enormous win and like this would have been the signature win of the Scott Frost era and could have maybe turned the season around, maybe turned his whole coaching tenure around. And yeah, just another missed opportunity. Like overall, I mean, it's crazy, but I think Nebraska fans were just petrified they were going to get blown out. I think so. They were back with their old cousin, you know, that they have had good times with. Which, by the way, it's great just to see this on the box, like Nebraska versus Oklahoma on the box score. We did not make a big enough deal about this game we didn't. on the last no. podcast. Apologies, apologies to Nebraska fans. We're old Big Ten slap dicks, you know, so yep. we just don't understand. And plus that, I feel like... You know, there's enough Nebraska podcasts out there where they were celebrating the game, so there, you could sure. probably have got yourself filled up with that. But yeah, I mean, you could feel the history from it. It felt right seeing Nebraska, Oklahoma, but I do think Nebraska fans, by and large, were just not wanting to see a blowout and a horrible performance. But yeah, but, I but like know. going leading up to it, like me watching Oklahoma doing a little bit of a dive. Our guy DS Dustin Shooty, he also pointed this out. I was not expecting Nebraska to get blown out. In fact, I I took Nebraska to cover. Again, the Sharps are not figuring out the Nebraska lines because this was way under the over-under yet again. Nebraska goes under the over-under yet again. I felt that Nebraska's defense would slug Oklahoma in the mouth. That is what they did, by and large. They're playing good defense right now. And, you know, it's still the Adrian Martinez show, but... He was he was pretty effective. Nineteen to twenty five for two eighty nine is pretty solid. You'd have that that one interception that again wasn't mostly meaningless. Wasn't, yeah, but he played a good game. But seventeen rushes for thirty four yards for Martinez. They kept him. They kind of bottled him up. Oklahoma has got a got a couple athletes on defense. They made sure they had one spine up Adrian Martinez pretty much at all time. I think Adrian Martinez is going to pretty much see that for the rest of his career. Um, Spencer Rattler. Eh, I mean. We kind of pointed out in the last podcast, he's good. He's not great. No, he's not great. 24, 34, 214 yards, but give Nebraska's defense a lot of credit for that. To me, the biggest things were the miscues and then the rushing yards. 194 rushing yards for the Sooners, 95 for the Huskers. Again, if Nebraska can't get the rushing attack out of Adrian Martinez, there isn't much of a rushing attack. But even with that being said, 
And I don't want to jump on individual players. I think we all know the name of the Nebraska kicker. I feel bad for the kid. I'm not blaming Scott Frost. I'm not blaming anybody. These things happen. But, dude, not having a field goal kicker. When you expect most of these games that you're going to be in as a Nebraska fan are going to be close, it's straight killing them right now. It's killing them. But also not having that running game. And and it's not like it's a terrific passing game that that they're falling back on either. Right. So I don't know. There's a lot, a lot to they be they on. hung in that game basically on two things: defense and won't to, as Coach Fry used to say. They wanted to be in that game and win it. It almost got them there, but with the loss, Nebraska falls to two and two. And real quickly, we won't get all the way into this, but if you look at the rest of Nebraska's schedule, mm-hmm. if Minnesota keeps winning and is ranked, there's a chance that Nebraska will play six six ranked teams out of their last eight games. Well, it's what it's incredible. It's what I was pointing out early in or preseason, I guess, is that that Nebraska had to get wins early and they're not getting enough of them right now. Nope, two and two. All right, next game up, maybe the most impressive performance from a Big 10 team. There's a lot of candidates for that. Michigan State 38 Miami Hurricanes, 17, Sparty with 454 yards of total offense to the Canes, 440. I predicted a a, a point explosion down in Coral Gables. Only one team held up the bargain. That's Sparty and that, and I'm going to say this, dynamic offense exploding right now. Absolutely. This, to me, was the most satisfying game of the entire weekend. I just thoroughly enjoyed blast watching them go down to Miami and kick their butts. And there's just something with when it's hot and muggy and like you can just tell like it's just I, I don't know like it, it lends itself to just being a crazy game and it was that's what I pictured in my head. Shameless plug? Can I do a shameless plug? Please. This was my curb stomp game for Michigan State on the offseason. Oh, was it really? Remember. Yeah. Very good. I mean I'm not that impressed with Miami. This is a great program right now. Their coach is junk. You know, you know that. Well, their their program's been junk for quite a while. Now. I mean, this I just, just isn't a good football program. It's not a very good football program. But let's not take it away from Michigan State because yeah. you, you had mentioned, Shoot. hey, Michigan State fans, sorry, that's not how I meant it. This was a ranked win, and they and that <laughs> is a skin that I want Michigan State. To, they they went down and beat a ranked team. They deserve all the credit and in the world. It's not just beating them it's the way that they beat them so you had mentioned the offensive explosion they've got a good quarterback right now their offensive line is playing well they've got running backs for days their wide receivers are fantastic i'm i'm jealous of sparty fans right now dude this Mel- is a fun team to watch this like how could this be any more opposite than the d'antonio years man it's I know. like a dude, and it's not like their defense. It's like is a dude. Bad. It's like a dude divorcing a short brunette and marrying a tall blonde. Like, yeah, it is the exact opposite. Right. Yeah, and their defense is solid. It's good. It, it's not great. It's okay. It's, yeah, but it's good enough. With, good enough with the offense that they're putting on the field. Um, Kenny Skywalker. I'm. I've now changed my standum. By the way, I okay. am a stand for running backs from the state of Michigan. Yeah, you 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 could definitely just group these two together. I mean, well. that guy isn't good. He's great. I think this is this is the most underrated player in the Big Ten right now. 
Kenny Skywalker. Is he when underrated? He, I mean, I feel like people are giving him maybe his credit. Well, maybe he's starting We'll get to. into the stats at the end. We'll do, uh, we, we have been doing a bad job of doing Big Ten Player of the Week. We're going to we're gonna do that at the end of the well, podcast here. He's definitely one of them. The Eisman candidate. The Eisman candidate, excuse me. Um, but Jalen Naylor, four catches, 82 yards, two touchdowns. Peyton Thorne, 18 of 31, 261, four touchdowns, no picks. I mean, this was a quarterback battle on the offseason. Peyton Thorne has won it. I, I mean, if that was a competition through camp, that means they have two good quarterbacks, which right. means they have some depth. Dude, right now, I mean, Mel Tucker's got some serious swag so, that he's carrying. He's probably, not probably, he is right now the Big Ten coach of the year. This I mean, it's incredible. I feel like if you're a Sparty fan, you're watching that game and you're thinking about Mel Tucker and you're saying, I think we got our guy. Because this looks. He has turned this thing around quick. Like he has the the Nick Saban Alabama ties. Like yeah. maybe he's learned a thing or two. And then we talked about the schedule that Nebraska has coming up the next five or six games. It's the opposite for Michigan State. Like this was one of the biggest roadblocks you saw for them in September and October. Not only did they get through the roadblock, they, they demolished it. It is just going to be exciting to see where Michigan State goes from And, here. you know, defensively, they did a great job against the rush, so they forced uh, Miami to have to throw in the rain 60 times they threw the ball. That's – so maybe I'm not giving their defense enough credit. Maybe it's maybe that actually is a pretty good defense. I think we, we just need to see a little bit more time with the defense for me to really understand, like, what their style is, what their thought process is. But right now, I tell you what they better get good at, is pass rush as much as possible. Why? Because I think the other teams are going to be playing from behind, playing that offense. So if they can get to the quarterback moving forward, they're going to be in good shape. Well, and they they did give up some yards to Charleston Rambo. 12 receptions for 156 yards and two touchdowns. So That's a talented receiver right so, there. Yeah, he is, but you got to clean that up a little bit. With the win, Michigan State moves to a very impressive 3-0. and Next game up, another impressive performance from the state of Michigan. Michigan, 63, Northern Illinois, 10. The Wolverines with 606 yards of total offense to the Huskies, 208. Okay, it was it was a rush-heavy day again for Michigan. Here is the deal, though, okay? It is hard to accumulate passing yards when your offensive rushing attack runs it into the end zone from many yards out. Like, what are you supposed to do? Have your running back stop and kneel at the seven-yard line so you can try to throw the ball in? The rushing attack is off the charts right now. Nine times. Did you Have you looked at the the play-by-play, like, per possession? So this is one of the games that me and my friend were desperately trying to get on one of the TVs, and it it wasn't happening. And so I was following along on my phone. Every single Boom. possession of the first half was a Boom. touchdown, 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 touchdown. And I'm I'm scrolling down, showing him this, and his eyes are just popping out. Yeah, the rushing tech, amazing. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm also enjoying watching Michigan play football. It's not something I expected to say this year. They get after people defensively. Defense you, is great. You, like, the rushing game is great. They don't like you said. They don't haven't needed to pass, but but they were efficient in this game throwing the ball when they when they did throw the ball. Cade McNamara, 8 of 11, 191 yards, a touchdown. J.J. McCarthy got in, went 4 of 6 for 42 yards. I guess what I'm saying is if you are completing 12 of 17 passing attempts, 
<laughs> I mean, I don't know how much more efficient you can be for a touchdown. And, and so the, Blake Corum, again, 125 yards, three touchdowns. Did they find a number one receiver with Cornelius Johnson? They've got some guys to pick from. Three catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown. And by the way, Donovan Edwards looked pretty good at running yeah. back, too. So they got three really good running backs right now. They averaged 13.7 per pass attempt, 7.8 per rush. I mean, you can't seven point. You can't play any better than that. And I understand it's Northern Illinois. Yeah. They are a struggling team. Our guy Rocky, tough day. Nine of 17, 46 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He did have 72 yards on the. Basically, him just bullying his way down the field was was Northern Illinois' only offense. I don't think Northern Illinois is going to be a very good team no. this year. But we've seen teams that are somewhere around Northern Illinois' level last couple years, Michigan didn't do to them what Michigan did to these guys yesterday. I don't know. It's just, dude, it's the Big Ten right now. The depth that we're talking about, you can make an argument Michigan's the fifth best team in the Big Ten or somewhere around there, and they're out there beating people 63-10. to It wasn't until their 10th possession that they didn't score. And at that point, it was just backups. Right. You know, they're not. So they essentially scored. That's literally the definition of scoring it well. It pretty much just laid two offensive possessions the whole game where they didn't score. Yep. Amazing. With the win, Michigan moves to a dominant 3-0 and on the season. Next game up, this is where the good feels stop. I'm still pissed about this game. Cincinnati 38, Indiana 24. The Bearcats with 328 yards. To the Hoosiers, 376. Okay, for those that didn't watch the game, let me let me, let me me sum it up for you here, okay? I'm going to say right at the first quarter and a half, maybe quarter and three quarters. Uh, I'd also like to say I had the under in this game, and I was feeling great. Why? Because it was 14 to nothing Indiana. And when I say Cincinnati had nothing going on offense, I'm saying Cincinnati couldn't do dick on offense. They couldn't run the ball. Every time they tried to drop back to pass, the Hoosiers' front seven was all over uh, Desmond Ritter. It was the Indiana defense that I have watched for the last year or two or three years. That's what showed up. Mm -hmm. Then the worst... Penalty and and the worst penalty in all of sports. In all of sports, uh, Micah McFadden gets tossed for targeting, which was a, it was a BS call. I I and the thing is that 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 pisses me off the most. Nobody even noticed it watching the game no. in the stadium. It wasn't egregious. Like it didn't even catch your attention. At it all. did not. I I guarantee you that's one of those things that if the the flag is never called, even the Cincinnati coaches don't really notice it until they watch the game and film session yeah. on Sunday and they go, "Dude, that could have been a targeting." That's it. That's all that needed to be. But you throw out what could be considered one of if not the best defender in the Big 10. I mean, he's, he's the, up there. Yeah. Micah he, McFadden. Yeah. Losing dynamic. losing the captain of your defense at middle linebacker is a big deal, just like when Ohio State played Clemson in the college football playoffs yeah. a year and a half oh, ago. Turn the game. That's how it happened here. The game completely okay, turned so on. Let me ask you I'm this. not a Hoosier fan. I don't care if this sounds sour grapes. That is how I f- feel, and I'm still pissed about okay, it. Okay, let me ask you this. That play, let's say they targeting the rule is different. It's a 15 yard penalty. 
That's it. Just 15 yards. That's the penalty. Right. So let's say he got 15 yards on that. Do the Hoosiers win this football game? Yes. I think so, too. I, it still would have been a big call because that was fourth down. Right. And it would have given Cincinnati. But then I think the Hoosier defense goes right back out there with their captain, and they just keep kicking butt. After that, all hell broke loose, man. Special teams touchdown. Cincinnati started moving the ball a little bit. I don't know what the totals were. Like Cincinnati wound up with 328 yards. I don't think I'm crazy when I say at that point, maybe they had 50 yards of total offense. I we don't were, even know. We were getting towards the, the end of the first half. They completely switched after that. Halftime score is 14 to 10. It's. I mean, how how often do you see that call? And then how often does it dramatically impact the game? I, li- I would literally say it's two be- out of three times it dramatically affects the game. Right. It's it's 99 times out of 100 when the guy getting tossed is one of the best players. Uh, isn't it, that it, weird? It's like a triple hit to the team. You lose the yardage. If it's on fourth down, which it, I swear to God, it seems like it's on third or fourth down most seems of the time. All the time, yeah. Then it gives them a first down. You lose your best player, and then that emotional oh that the rest of the guys feel when when a captain goes out like that, just make it two levels, fifteen yard, and if it's no, no, absolutely no, no. egregious, no, 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 fifteen yards. That's it. That's the That's call. Fine. You're not going to get any. You don't. With nobody gets ejected. It's fifteen yards. That's the call. Cincinnati had 118 yards rushing, but it took 36 <laughs> carries to get there. Desmond Ritter wound up having a pretty good day, but there is one thing that is that we got to talk about, and it's the Hoosiers have a problem with their with our, their Penix. Penix is impotent. It is right now. Good. And here's what it, it is really disturbing to me is he can't get the ball to Ty Freifogel. I, it's, and it's, I'm sure defenses have something right. to do with that. Peyton Hendershot did have a nice day. Yeah. He, he They finally got the ball to him. DJ Matthews had a great day, finally, too. It was I'm, good to see him finally bust out. Been waiting for that, but it's just something is wrong on that connection between Penix and Freifold. I mean, and, and just Penix in general. Penix in general. Like, he, he just, it, it is, it's so obvious that he's not comfortable out there. And I feel horrible for him. This I don't I want this to, like, come down on Penix. Um, I don't, you know, like, this is, this. we're not an anti Penix podcast. We we lo- we have fun with the name, which I'm is pro Penix, which is which is which is middle school level at best. I then, love my for, Penix, <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, like at this point, Tuttle somebody else. I you think I, they'd go to Tuttle though? I you can't do that. Okay, this is the leader of the team. Who's your Al said Tuttle actually got kind of thrown in was a little bit injured last year himself. Okay, so I'm interested. That's all I would have to say. I think you got to stick with Penix. Yeah, well, yeah. and right now. Behind that offensive line, I'm not sure if many people right. look fantastic. I mean, they, they I, did. I, they did. They looked. They. I. I think you can maybe say their rushing attack is serviceable, but yeah, serviceable. I guess Carr had what 52 yards on the day, I believe, so, but not a great average either. So, I mean, it's it's something. It's the entire offense. There's a lot of things going. I don't. I don't think it's just Penix. Do you? N- no. Um, I would be curious, though, to see a little... I'll say this. I would be curious to see what a healthy Penix would look like with this same exact offensive line and surrounding cast. Okay. Is you that d- fair? You don't think he's fully healthy? No, saying. no. Or, and, and maybe his knee is healthy, but his in between the ears is not. I don't know. But yeah, I would, I would like to see what a healthy Penix would, would... How much different this would look. 21 carries for Stephen Carr, 52 yards. That's not great. Nope. If you got, if he got, so if you got a little more out of him, 
that would loosen things up for the passing game. Maybe it's just that they can dial in, you know, shut down the run and, and, and just force them to pass. They know they're passing and, but the general feel I've gotten from Hoosier fans, and again, it's on Twitter, is the the confidence level that they have in their play caller and offensive line coach, they don't think it's going to get fixed this year. Yikes. With the loss, Indiana moves to a frustrating one and two. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail. Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. I don't, I don't think you've missed a chance to... Take a little bit of a nip every time I read that. You know what I do when I go to a bar? Yeah. I ask for Amador. That's what I do, too. I love it. I didn't have to ask. I went to the, uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say the distributor, but uh, a certain grocery store, and I didn't have to ask. It was sitting right on the shelf, <laughs> and now I know I'll go there. I went with the Cabernet on uh, Friday night. Very good. There's not much of that bottle left. All right. All right. Next game up, Minnesota 30 Colorado, zero. First shutout for Minnesota over a Power 5 team since 1977. Of Over a non-conference Power 5 team. Is, no, I think it's Power 5. Just Power? No. Pretty for, sure. The first shutout versus a Power 5 team since 1977? Somebody can, somebody can uh, uh, point that out, but I believe it's shutout of a Power 5 team. Wow. Okay, I didn't conference know Conference or out of conference. Okay, so this... I hold was on, good. hold on. Gophers. 441 yards total. Okay, that's about what we Pretty expect. Pretty good. Yeah. Buffaloes, 82. <laughs> Dude, that's, that is, it's the year 2021. Colorado had negative 19 yards rushing. Hold on, you're incorrect. Their total yards are 63. They had 82 passing yards. Oh, my God. And they had negative 19 Sorry. rushing. So their total yards were 63. Sorry about that, game. Minnesota fans. Almost cheat you out of that. This, so this is as good as it gets when you go on the road to go visit a non-conference Power Five team. Usually, that's that's not a great uh, you know position for your team to win a game. So to go out there not just win the game but dominate them, shut them out, and only give up sixty three yards. This is as good as you could hope for. Uh, My guess is right now we're recording this early Sunday afternoon. There is a lot of uh, tuckered out Gopher fans that are getting through the airport, flying back from this game because there was, I mean, our guy, Danimal, there yeah. was a ton of people that, that went out to this game. Bunch of guys I work with I mean, went the, out to it. The pictures are are scenic. I mean, that is an absolutely beautiful stadium from what I've told. I've never I've never been there. And so what I was going to say, about it, I'm so happy for Gopher fans just in general. I mean, th this must have been so much freaking fun. I mean, my thought process is if you talk to a Gopher fan that's about our age, right? Not not exactly a spring chicken, but, you know, uh, not, not 85 years old, okay? If you ask them what some of their most fun moments are, don't aren't two or three of them have happened just in the last two or three years? Yeah. I mean, the win over Penn State, sure. the, the bowl game, beat the, down the of Auburn. Auburn. Yeah. And and I know this isn't as marquee of a win, but any time, like you said, you travel out, go to a scenic area, and you beat somebody's butt thirty to nothing like that. That is a fun weekend. So you had a pretty efficient offense in terms of passing, eleven seventeen, almost ten yards per per attempt average. Running the ball, you averaged over five yards per rush. Only had four penalties, zero turnovers on the game. You had 
possession of the ball for over 40 minutes in this game. Complete domination in every facet of the game. Trey Potts, 26 carries, 121 yards, three touchdown. Marquise Irving, 15 carries, 89 yards. We had a crab sighting. Chris Ottman-Bell, four catches for 79 yards. So uh, I, I, I got razzed pretty hard again by Gopher fans. I swear I'm not trying to throw a rock at the Gophers Hornets nest, but I'm, I'm trying to just call them how I see them. I picked Colorado to win the game, which was yeah. completely wrong, but I got... I said Minnesota would cover, and it's an under. Minnesota covered, and it's an under. I was expecting kind of an ugly game. That's what it was in the first half. Like, the the yards were somewhat hard to come by. Uh, Minnesota missed chances to, to make this an even bigger blowout. The other side of it, though, that I am still shocked about was that Colorado just could never live up to their end of the bargain. They could not get anything going offensively. We know, we had said before that Colorado is challenged throwing the ball, okay? But to what the Minnesota front seven did to this Colorado rushing attack, who had pretty darn good success against the mighty Texas A&M Aggies from the SEC, Yep, that is eye-popping. It, it's amazing. So maybe their defense is, is finally gelling, coming together. We'll see if this is a turning point for them in their season. I mean, at this point, I mean... <laughs> It's almost surprising Ohio State pulled that game out. I know. I, I, I We still got a lot of football left, don't get yeah. me wrong. But with the win, Minnesota moves to 2-1. and one. Next game up, Notre Dame 27, Purdue 13. The Irish with 343 yards of total offense to the Boilermakers 348. This was, for the most part, okay? This is a top 12 Notre Dame team, okay? These were two pretty evenly looking football teams most of the game. Yeah, and I think we both kind of expected Purdue to hang around. I expected Purdue to hang around with with Notre Dame. So in a, in some ways, this kind of played out how I expected it in, in terms of the competitiveness. I guess I just expected it to be more of an aerial assault right. on both sides. Right. Which it, it wasn't. Ex- I mean, Purdue 291 yards passing, Notre Dame 223. But Purdue did that on 54 attempts. So they didn't exactly have the success through the air that I kind of expected them to have. Jack Plummer, 25 of 36. That's pretty accurate. 187 yards, touchdown, no pick. Aiden O'Connell, 11 of 18, 104 yards. So they did the two-quarterback thing again. Um, it kind of sounds like Brom is just more of a situational thing. Like, eh, let's bring him in. I, I Trying to keep track of of Jeff Brom's roster management, it it – it's it's tough to do, man. You got to you got to watch like every minute and like make notes. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that's not hard to keep track of is the rushing attack. Fifty seven yards on twenty five carries. That's a yeah. two point three yard average. The rushing attack just is not there. Um, but you know, I'm going to give them a little bit of credit on defense against the rushing attack. I, I said it in last week's pod or the previous pod. Kyron Williams is a Good running back, okay, for Notre Dame. But they held him to 97, uh, uh, yeah, 91 yards and two touchdowns. Those, almost all of those yards and definitely two of the touchdowns came on two carries. Like, they did a pretty good job. But in the end, I think just a little bit of a talent advantage for Notre Dame just kind of won out in the game. I think that's what it was, is the talent just ran away with it at the end there. But also really deflating when David Bell went down with the injury. Yeah. You could see... It was, you know, it just, the wind was out of their sails, I think, when Dude, that happened. like, okay, 
that was palpable. Absolutely. Um, and by the way, knock on wood, it sounds like David Bell is okay. Um, maybe a little bit of a uh, concussion protocol thing, but he so. bounced off the turf I pretty mean, hard. His head smacked the yeah, turf. Yeah. He definitely concussed, but hopefully, hopefully it's a you know it's a not as week or two as, thing, and he's yeah. back. I mean, that's what it seems like it's looking at. So yeah, the two guys they have. Uh, that are the are as as talented, if not more talented, than everybody with Notre Dame. David Bell and of course George Karlaftis. He was held down in the game mostly because he was being held the whole game. I mean, it just seemed, I don't know, seemed like sometimes the, the refs you're gonna get when you when you're when the shadow of touchdown Jesus yeah. is is upon the stadium. And I don't know. I think that's kind of something that we saw right there. Yeah. Now I did want to point out one person from Notre Dame. Avery Davis had a heck of a game yesterday. Five catches, 120 yards, and a big touchdown. I've been kind of watching that guy throughout his recruitment um, a connection of, of mine. I kind of know his, his mom from going way back. So good good job, Avery Davis, really showing out. But overall, I think Purdue should be pretty happy, pretty encouraged on what this looks like, right? Uh, but with the loss, Purdue falls to 2-1. and one. Next game up, head shaker. Ohio State, 41 Tulsa 20. What did you predict for the score? I had 41 to 19 was my prediction. That's incredible. The Buckeyes with 508 yards of total offense. That makes sense, right? Sure. The Golden Hurricanes with 501. Wow. Okay, so what's the story of this game? It's kind of getting to be a little bit Groundhog Day here with Ohio State. Okay, they're, they're putting up a ton of yards but yet it doesn't look super sharp Mm-mm. on offense. No, it doesn't. Now, the defense, the front seven took a big step up this week against the rushing attack. Okay, the, the, Tulsa could not move the ball on the ground. But then second and longs, third and longs, you never got the confidence that the Dude. Ohio State back seven could get Tulsa off the field. They were 9 of 17 on third downs. That's insane. And, and most of those were like, Third and seven plus. It wasn't like there were a bunch of third and threes. So my buddy that I was watching the games with, the one that we were tortured because they couldn't get the games put on TV, um, I was talking about how bad. So he's a quasi-Ohio State fan. He's from Ohio State. So he wants them to win, but he doesn't really follow that close. And I just mentioned the name Kerry Combs, and he's like, Kerry Combs, what? I'm like, yeah, it's their defensive coordinator. He goes, oh, I know Kerry Combs. <laughs> he he just, did? Yeah, he knows him from going away. He's a football player himself. Okay. So, like, okay. anybody about that age, he knows from his days back in high school or college. Yeah. Speaking of Kerry Combs, um, you know, you know, like the old, uh, like the movies where you open up your locker and there's a pink slip hanging yeah. there? Well, I he mean, got right? pink slipped, basically. I mean, he's up in the booth now. Ryan Day said he's not calling the, the, defense, the defense anymore. I, like... We the only time I've seen something work like this is when Minnesota switched defensive coordinators partway through the season yeah. and the defense looked better. That is what we need to happen yep. out of Ohio State if they're going to make a run at this thing. And I mean, I think I think you're seeing it because Ryan Day is pissed off and he he's he's not taking it anymore. No. So now I, this is on Ryan Day. The, 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 these are the defensive coaches that we saw. Last year, when I, it wasn't an incredible defense last year no. either, no changes were made. Now, one thing that we did point out on the last podcast was that I felt that Travion Henderson was going to start becoming the lead back. Mm-hmm. Boy, is he ever. 24 carries, 277 yards, three touchdowns. Most rushing yards for a Ohio State running back since 
uh, uh, oh, um, Archie was, Griffin. Well, hold on. Yeah, that's what it is. He overtook You're Archie right. okay. Griffin for in-game one uh, yardage total for a freshman. Okay, for a freshman. But yep. it's remember, Trey Sermon had 330 yards against uh, Northwestern last year. Not for freshman. Year. No. Uh, Not for freshman. freshman. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, so, Travion Henderson, every bit of the five-star recruit that he has looked to be. I mean, he's still, I think, getting comfortable with in the offense and what he's doing. He is going to be a star. Uh, what's crazy though, maybe one of, if not the most shocking stat of the weekend, Chris Olave, zero catches in the football contest. Wow. I mean, that's insane. That's even more surprising than uh, Ty Freifogel having one. I mean, that's crazy. So CJ Stroud, 15 to 25, 185 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He just does not, he, he just doesn't look comfortable. He can't get. It just it just doesn't look good. I so I was still on the CJ Stroud bandwagon, even when people were giving him crap for throwing that interception against Oregon. I'm like, you know, one bad pass, yes, he 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 does have a tendency to kind of overthrow receivers, but I'm starting to wonder maybe it's time to try someone else. I mean, it's not a crazy thought. No. I mean I've I felt like some you know, like Mr. Ohio and some of the the better, more, you know, well rounded, shall we say, Ohio State fans. I feel like most of them were still ready to give C.J. Stroud, you know, a little bit of yeah. time after the first two games, even the Oregon loss. I think you saw a lot of those fans even kind of jump off a little bit. It's not like they don't have enough talent in the room. I don't know. It's interesting to see. Of course, Ryan Day has forgotten more about developing quarterbacks than any of us will ever learn. It's just another story that's ongoing. I mean, they won by 21 points. Now, that was a pick six at the end of the game. This was a seven-point game or right. less most of the game. Tulsa is not a good football team. No. This is crazy. So if you if if I told you Ohio State had over 500 yards, they had over 300 yards rushing, Tulsa turned the ball over two times, Tulsa had 11 penalties for 100 yards, Tulsa averaged 2.6 yards a carry. You I would have thought my prediction of 52 to 13 yeah. would have been the, the score. Right. It's crazy. This is weird. That's live just, sometimes, man. I'm just not used to seeing no. Ohio State look this just just average. Wow. I mean, they're still above average, but they just don't look like Ohio State is what They it don't is. look like Ohio State. With the win, the Buckeyes move to 2-1. and one. Next game up, Rutgers 45, Delaware 13. The Scarlet Knights with 493 yards of total offense to the Blue Hens. 260, the stars came out for Rutgers. Noah Vedral, 21 of 25, 323 yards, two touchdowns. Isaiah Pacheco, 13 carries, 73 yards, two touchdowns. Wide receiver Bo Melton, seven catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. There's a certain way fans want it to look. When an FBS school from a Power 5 conference plays an FCS school, by and large, that's what we got out of Rutgers. Yeah, and I've been wanting more out of Noah Vedral. So you know, I guess this is, this is we got it this game. You know, it's just Delaware, but it's it's a start. I don't think Delaware is a bad FCS team. So, I, I mean, I, I warned that Rutgers needs to take the game seriously. <laughs> they obviously did. I don't think Greg Schiano knows the, the meaning of the word unserious. So... Again, this is what it's supposed to look like. You know, we're not going to wax poetic too much here on this win, but again, this is just another time that you look at Greg Schiano's version of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. They're going to get prepared for every single game. 
they look good. This is a team that every team playing them is going to have to take seriously. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights are three and zero. They're halfway to a bowl game already. And again, are you surprised that they're three and zero? No, not I at am all. not surprised they're three and zero. Rutgers fans aren't surprised they're three and zero. Now things start heating up for the competition. They, they this, do, but at the same time, if you look down their schedule, they've got a lot of winnable games left on the schedule. Absolutely, they do. I mean, this it is, is not great. I predicted them six and six on the year to go to a bowl. I'm not. I'm not pulling back from that prediction at all. They definitely got a chance. They got a tough road in the next three weeks, but then they get Northwestern, who's not looking good. They get Illinois, who's, who's not looking good. They still have an Indiana team that's not looking great on their schedule, and they still play Maryland. I mean, there's definitely potential to get three of those four wins yeah. right there. I'm not saying they're going to do it. I'm just saying it's not crazy to say that they do But it. I will say the run defense needs to bone up a little bit here. Uh, they and, the up, and the rush I offense. And the rush offense. It was decent rushing attack, but they're they're having to hand the ball off a lot to get there. Yeah, but they gave up almost five yards per rush to a, to an FCS team. Yep. So a little bit to work on. As discussed with the win, Rutgers moves to 3-0. Next game up, Iowa 30, Kent State 7. The Hawks with 418 yards of total offense to the Golden Flashes, 200 and 64. So what'd you say the score was? 30 to 7. Huh. Let's, I'm going to go back and look at what I predicted. 31 to 6. You were close. Not too shabby. And I had 31 to 13 with a Kent State cover, and I might have uh, put a couple shekels on okay. that. It's weird to try to uh, kind of, sort of, you know, root for the other team to score a late touchdown. Sure. I was looking for it. Um, by and large, this is exactly the game that I was expecting and you were expecting. Pretty much. I guess the only thing is I guess it took Iowa maybe a little bit longer to okay. get there. Like, I, I guess I would have expected maybe they could start coasting in the third quarter, whereas they kind of still had to okay. to put – they still had their foot on the gas. Under, understandable. By the way, Iowa defense scores again. They get a safety for the first That's score right. of the game to make it two to nothing. Um, everybody keeps saying they can't do that every week. Three for three so far. Okay. Kent State, can I talk a little bit on Kent State right now? Please. They're good. This is a good MAC team. It was 10 to 7 late into the second quarter versus Texas AM, too. Okay. The offense, I think, is still kind of finding its rhythm a little bit, partly because they've played Texas AM and Iowa two of their first three yeah. weeks on the road. But just keep your eye on Kent State. I hope maybe this is my. Hawkeye colored glasses that I'm looking through here, and I want Kent State to be better than they are because Iowa did struggle with them at times. But check this out. Okay, they were, I think, top three in rushing going into the game. Okay. okay. They had 226 yards rushing versus Texas AM. Okay. Wow. They had 494 yards rushing versus VMI. Wow. wow. They had 79 yards rushing on 41 carries versus Iowa. 1.9 yards per attempt. I'm starting to think a certain other podcaster that was very concerned about the Hawkeyes rushing defense. I think we got a pretty good rushing defense I, right I, here. I'm going to name a couple guys here. Jack Campbell had a great game with 11 total tackles, half a sack, a tackle for loss. Lucas Van Ness, he's coming out. Uh, he had seven tackles. He had two sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. Uh, Zach Van Valkenburg, another good game. One and a half sacks, one and a half tackles for loss. Jack Wagner had a sack as well. I lots of sacks by the uh, by the Iowa front front line. I really like this defensive line. If this defensive line takes a step up, 
watch out because the back seven is as good as advertised. Spencer Petras, I mean, he did what he is supposed to do. 25 of 36, 290 yards, a touchdown, zero picks. Yeah. What? I, I mean, does he look dominant? No. no. When he gets in rhythm, does he look good? Yes. Yeah. I wish he got there sooner. Don't turn the ball over. Yeah. Lean on the rushing attack, and you're, you're going to win a lot of football contacts. Yeah. contests. Shout out to Tyler Goodson. Uh, 22 carries, 153 yards, three touchdowns. And our guy, Torrey Taylor, was dealing again, man. I mean, not only did he hit, he hit one inside the five, I'm going to say. Sure. There was one that hit, like, it hit on the outside shade of the pylon. Otherwise, it was going out of okay. the half yard line. It was, and then he just absolutely boomed one, too. Anyways, uh, with the win, Iowa moves to a very impressive three and zero. Next game up, oof, Duke thirty, Northwestern twenty three. At one point, Duke was up twenty seven to nothing in this game. So, if you're looking for a positive, there was a comeback from Northwestern. The Blue Devils with. This could be the most shocking stat of the entire weekend. The Duke Blue Devils on Pat Fitzgerald's Northwestern Wirecat defense put up 562 yards of total offense. The Wildcats had 418. To to, to quote is, our guy Vince Lombardi, what the hell is going on out here? Yeah, I mean, we 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 weren't really sure because it's Northwestern. You just you can't ever count them out. So we weren't really sure what to think of this team, but we didn't. We didn't love the roster, but we said, but the defense will be fine. We know they'll be fine. They're, Northwestern without a defense is not a, it's not a pretty thing. No, that's scary. Yeah. That's a scary thing. Um Northwestern's offense. Maybe our uh maybe our overlove with Hunter Johnson. After who the first is Hunter week, Johnson? I don't know. I He's can't. an enigma wrapped in red. I mean he, so I, so this is how it went down for anybody that didn't watch the game because it's on the ACC network. I'm about done with the ACC network and Pac-12 network for the year. I just want to say that. Hunter Johnson started the game out 6 of 16, no touchdowns, three interceptions. So if you want to know why Northwestern got behind 27 to nothing, it's right there. Then they go to senior Andrew Marty. He comes in and goes off. Absolutely. 11 of, by the way, 11 of 16. 151 yards, two touchdowns. You want to hear something kind of funny? Sorry. Those are all career highs for him. Wow. Six, 11 completions, 16 attempts, 151 yards, well, I tell you and what, two touchdowns, all career highs. I'd like to see more of that. I, do, I mean, yeah. it, it, you can't. Hunter Johnson, zero touchdowns, three interceptions? That's bad. I mean, that, that's the Hunter Johnson we saw a couple years ago that I was shocked won the starting position, and then actually looked good against Michigan State. And then Andrew Marty goes out of the game with a quote-unquote upper body injury. Yeah. I don't. It doesn't seem like it's too com- or too serious. Um, um, thanks, Chappie, for trying to give me some information. And then Ryan Holinsky, who was pretty much assumed to be the starter all yeah. year long, all offseason, I, I should thought say. he would be. Third stringer. Right? Third one he's, off he's the third, bench. He's third string, yeah. He goes in two of seven, 34 yards. I don't know. It's crazy. And they can't run the ball. Evan Hull, he's he's fine, but 10 carries, four, 49 yards. That's all they can get out of the running back room there. I, they did rush for 158 yards, but 44 of those came from Andrew Marty himself. So We I got did. a long season left. We got a long season. But, like, and here's the other thing I want to say. We have been here before. I know. 
Northwestern has looked quite a bit like, I mean, we even joked on the last pod, you know, they'll probably go and get beat by Duke. I mean, we said it in the off season. And then the one of the, all of a sudden at some game, some part of the season, everything clicks and it looks better. We could be right on track. I know. So the weird thing about Northwestern is when it comes unraveled, it comes unraveled quickly. And another thing during odd years. During odd years, yeah, I didn't even. I'm, a, they're going to beat somebody that they well, have of no they business are. beating. Of course they are. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I, have we said anything here to say that that's no. not going to happen? No. But right now, if Northwestern or Illinois don't start improving, the land of Lincoln is going to be heavy on LOL this year because they, they they just don't look strong. Yeah, right we're going to be LOLing at the LOL hat game unless these teams shore it up a little bit a lot of football left a lot of football with the loss northwestern falls to one and two last game on the docket the big 10 game of the week and to me boy did it live up to it in both football and scenery it was incredible it was awesome it was, it was so- the i i i had two tvs i got the two tv system honestly like i was just watching this game i was so yeah. into this game just no other game mattered to me penn state 28 Auburn 20, the Nittany Lions with 386 yards of total offense to the Tigers 367. Now, here's here's what's funny, right? Before the game, okay, Twitter, even some, like, sports writers, right? Like, so so trying to – this isn't all Twitter, but, you know, I don't think Penn State is going to be able to – going to hold up to that speed, just the speed and strength of Auburn. After the game, after they got their butts beat, yeah, I mean, what is this, the eighth best team? In right. the SEC, I mean, that's all. You only beat us by eight points. I mean, seriously, that's that's what you're getting out oh, of, of SEC. Of fans. course, like yeah. they they just they are so high off their own stash. They cannot see like, and Auburn's good, honestly. They're, honestly, yeah, they're a good team. That is that is a good. So this isn't me besmirching Auburn so much as I'm doing it to SEC fans. They've got a good running back. Okay, he's good. Tank Bigsby is a good slippery running back. But wouldn't he? Don't you think he would have had 250 yards rushing and four touchdowns? Because that's what you're supposed to do when you just have that much of an athletic. Okay, I'll get off my. But long story short, these were two good teams. Penn State was simply better. Um, I felt Penn State, quite honestly, had more speed. I felt like Penn State's defense yeah. was running around. Anyways, I'll stop. Go ahead. So the person I want to bring up is Sean Clifford because I've been asking and asking and asking for more out of Sean Clifford. I've been saying Penn State is not going to be a threat to win the Big Ten until they get better quarterback play. If they get this Sean Clifford for the rest of the year, this is this is this has got to be your favorite in the Big Ten if if they get that kind of quarterback play from him. So Perk and I DM'd uh, this morning. Uh, he was having issues uh, on Twitter last night to the point where I think he got frozen by t- Twitter for twelve hours. He did. <laughs> I think so I think he was. I think he was feeling his his cocktails and in his Penn State win. So was he tweeting at Auburn fans? Yeah, or something? Just, just attacking. <laughs> so anyway, so he asked me in DMs, "What did you think about last night?" And my answer to him was this: By and large. Penn State looked exactly like I expected Penn State to look, except for Sean Clifford. If Sean Clifford is that good, okay, if this is the new Sean Clifford under his new offensive coordinator, this is a college football playoff level team. No doubt. Right? Yes. I mean, the special teams are fine. The defense is pretty darn good. The offense looked really good. Okay, really quick nitpick, okay? 
we got to get a rushing attack going. Now, yeah. now, now Auburn's front yeah. seven has something to do with sure. that, as did Wisconsin's, okay? But if you're going to get up to the college football playoff and win, you're still going to need to run the ball. Other than that, other than that, this is a really good-looking football team. It is. And speaking of rushing, rush defense, maybe a little bit improvement there, but this is a good Auburn rush attack, too. I think too. it is. I mean, Tank Bigsby, one of the best runners in the country, had 23 carries for 102 yards and two touchdowns, but he didn't go off. For, no. I mean, average four. He had to work for those yes. yards. So I would say overall, that is a very good performance for the Penn State front seven. And Auburn, I mean, it would not shock me to see Auburn win nine games, ten games. I'm not overly impressed with the SEC, okay? Alabama is very good. Don't get me wrong. I don't know who they play from the East. Ole Miss is also in the, I don't know, like Mississippi State got beat yesterday. Long story short is, it will be interesting. I mean, Penn State fans basically now have to turn around and be Auburn Tiger fans a little bit. Absolutely. Because if there is a scenario where Penn State loses a game along the way, maybe doesn't get to the Big Ten Championship, this could wind up being an even bigger win as the season goes on. Yeah, and to me, the best offensive player either side of the field yesterday was Jahan Dotson. Oh. Ten catches, had a touchdown. He looked awesome. I mean, and that's another thing. I wonder how many Auburn fans and SEC fans in general, that was the first time they've ever seen Dotson play. Oh, I would sure. love to yeah. have been sitting in an SEC pro bar and just shocked oh, at, at the play. Oh, that, well, that Dotson guy's really good. Where did Fire he man. come from? It's pretty good. Um, and But a shout-out to all of the Penn State receivers. The tight ends blew up yes, on Saturday night. the tight night, ends looked great. But they caught everything. Yeah. They caught It was like they had Velcro on. I was, I mean, Sean Clifford deserves a ton of the credit for 28 to 32, but it's a, it's, it's a two person thing because when when, when the quarterback throws, there's gotta be some catching it. I just thought that that exploded off the scene to me, the TV screen credit to Penn state fans. The whiteout was freaking awesome. I mean, as good as it, as it ever has been. And I, I, I would never bother to watch this, but I'm sure the, the talking heads on CNN are crying their eyes out about, all the people that showed up to that game. Way to go, Penn State fans. I'm sure they all had a blast. It was an incredible scene. I mean, when all of the white towels are like somehow almost in unison. It's cool, isn't it? It's like it's like it's it's like a heartbeat throbbing towards the field. It it is I got to check it out sometime. I have got to check the, it out. We should we need to what we, we do. We need to set that up. Like we but it, do a, it, we need to know it's it's the whiteout game. It's got to be a whiteout yeah. game, but we should try to do one of these years a road an eyes on big road trip to the whiteout. That would be fun. Yes. I will take you up on that okay. offer. With the win, Penn State moves to a very impressive 3 and 1. Okay, we should have done this at the beginning of the podcast. We forgot, got excited. Weekly Eisman, okay? Yep. We're going to start doing that now. We kind of forgot. I don't know why. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> we were busy. Okay, I'm going to read these first ones off as fast as I can because they all play the running back spot. Okay. Trayson Potts, 121 yards, three touchdowns. Travion Henderson, 277 yards, three touchdowns. It's good to be a Trey yeah. running back in the Big Ten. Blake Corum does it again, 138 total yards, three touchdowns. Goodson does it again, 160 yards total, three touchdowns. Kenny Walker, 189 yards total, a touchdown. Good luck getting first team all Big Ten running back this year. It goes pretty deep, man. We talked about how maybe the league was a little bit light on quarterback play. You know what you do to supplement that? You hand the ball off to these studs behind these good offensive lines. 
It's incredible. This is like our this is like '90s Big Ten football. Running the ball. Kenny Walker's backs. got some wiggle to him, man. Dude, when he plants his foot and Blake he, Corum he does it laterally so quickly, and he might not be as quick as Blake Corum. No, he's not probably as quick as Blake Corum. Dude, it's but I love me some Kenny Walker. We got some impressive running backs. Then on to the quarterbacks. Quarterback Peyton Thorne, Michigan State, eighteen thirty-one, two hundred and sixty-one yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Boy, they found on the road, but the weekly in the rain. In the rain but considering opponent, seeing what it means to the the conference and the program in general, our week three. Eisman winner is quarterback Sean Clifford of Penn State, 28-32, 280 yards, two touchdowns, one pick that was basically an arm punt at the end of the yeah. half. He had 16 yards rushing. You have got to give it up to Sean Clifford. Great great effort there, Sean okay. Clifford. I know. Okay, I know this is a long pod. Can I bring you into my world just for one thing because I want to ask your opinion? All right. Um, the Iowa-Iowa State Twitter war wages on, just rages on. Yeah. Okay, I don't know if you picked up. I, I haven't been seeing a bunch of it, but okay. go ahead. So Iowa State played UNLV at UNLV. Okay, and by the way, beat the tar okay. out of UNLV. UNLV is not good, but I still contend that Iowa State has a really good defense. So I'm going to start sure. this off. If there's any Iowa State fans listening, which I doubt there is, that's that's a really good defense that Iowa State is yeah. rolling out there. Okay. Anyways, um, it's at UNLV, which means it's close to the city of. Las Vegas. So there's a ton of people that probably saw that game on the schedule and said, Hey, let's go out to Las Vegas that okay. weekend. We'll gamble during the day. We'll watch that game. Didn't start till, I mean, it was like eight, nine 39, okay. whatever it was local time here. So that's a late game. Anyways, there was Iowa fans there that had the audacity to go to the game and wear Hawkeye hats and shirts. Okay. And they just got, roasted by Iowa State fans. Huh? Okay. That's that's the For thing. For going to the game? And wearing Iowa gear. Well, if they're Iowa fans, what else would they wear? Bingo. Okay. I I, I did not present you... I, I tried to pr- present that to you as neutral as can be, huh. but they are just... And, and I know what's really going on here, which is we beat their ass two years... Or two weeks ago, and they... they it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. That's it. Yeah, it must be. I mean... That's what they're – and then the last one. This is the dumbest one. This this one isn't just from this weekend. This is ongoing, okay? The the line that Iowa State fans give to Iowa fans to, to try to one-up them or whatever, okay. you didn't even go to Iowa. Why are you even a fan? Hmm. Their thought process is if you didn't go to Iowa State and graduate from Iowa State, you're not really – you're not really a, a big fan. But, but, you know, switching hmm. that around to Iowa – like – I graduated from Iowa. I played football there. But I couldn't care less if I'm talking to an Iowa fan and he didn't go to the actual university. So are they basically saying we don't have any fans that didn't attend our university? That's essentially what they're saying. Because I find that hard to believe. I mean, first of all, there's a ton of Iowa fans that obviously attended the University of Iowa. But looking at it for Illinois or talking to a local Minnesota fan here, okay, when you're talking to that fan, does it ever go through your head? I wonder if they graduated from Minnesota. No. I could not care less. Right. Like that is strange. It's odd. If you went if if you grew up a gigantic Minnesota fan, but you started working, you went to a trade school right out of high school for two years and then started working, 
does that make you any less of a Minnesota fan? Right. It just means you didn't go to college. And, I, and like for me, if I'm talking to a fan of any team, but you know, using Iowa for me to depend to to make up my mind on if you're a, a good Iowa fan, you know what I determine to or to make my determination for that? The words that comes out of that person's mouth and right. if they're an idiot. <laughs> that's that's you know, and I don't know, it's a I, weirdest I think thing. Probably the better history that a team has, probably the more you know, the more fans in general you're gonna have, right? So you, the more people that didn't go to that university. That's a really good point. Yeah. Whereas with Iowa State, it, most of their fans are going to probably sure. be alum. Because right. why else would you cheer for that right. pile of goo? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I am Jeffrey the Green. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. We will talk to you soon. <laughs>